for tuning in to 2020 Bible Stories, where we read the unforgettable stories of the Bible with open eyes and clear views. I'm your host and storyteller, me. And I'm Fish, your thought commentator, where I'll be giving, giving my thoughts on the story, or based on the story thus far. Right. Because every story isn't always read in its entirety during that episode because they can't be a bit lengthy, but... We do try to learn something, you know, that might take us a ways away, which is why we call them takeaways. And we encourage you to send us your takeaways too, as well as your thoughts and requests to 2020BibleStories at gmail.com. Let's get it. All right. Now that we've gotten the pleasantries out of the way, let's start today's episode. That's it. Let's get it. Yeah, you said it before you was supposed to, though. It's all right. Let's go. All right. Let's start it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to 2020 Bible Stories with Meek and Fish. Hello. I know last week I said we're going to do part two of Exodus, because that's usually how most of our episodes are, part one, Jacob, part two, Jacob, but no, this whole season is just going to be Exodus, so yeah, we'll just be continuing from where we left off at the end of chapter 11 last week in the book of Exodus, where Moses announced to Pharaoh at midnight that night, God would pass through the heart of Egypt and kill all the firstborn sons in every family in Egypt including all the livestock. Today, we're going to pick up from there in chapter 12 where the Passover begins and we'll be ending in Exodus 18. Now, while still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave Moses and Aaron the following instructions. Announce to the whole community of Israel on the 10th day of this month, which is now the first month of the year for you, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for sacrifice, one animal for each household. The animal must be a one-year-old male with no defects and divided according to the size of the family and how much they can eat. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, they can share it with another family in the neighborhood. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th. Then the whole community of Israel is to slaughter their lamb or goat at twilight. Then take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night, roast the meat and eat it with bitter salad greens and bread without yeast. Don't eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. And don't leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever's left over before morning. Be fully dressed. Wear your sandals and curl your walking sticks in your hands. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and male animal. I will execute punishment against all of the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. 
but the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Remember this day each year from generation to generation. You must celebrate for it is a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. Remove every trace of it from your homes on the first day of the festival. And anyone who does eat bread made with yeast will be cut off from the community of Israel. No work is to be done on the first or seventh day of the festival, except for preparation of food. Celebrate this festival of unleavened bread. For it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation and eat no bread made with yeast from the 14th through the 21st. Anyone who does will be cut off from the community of Israel. These regulations apply to both the foreigners living among you and the native born Israelites. Wherever you live, eat only bread made with no yeast. Then Moses called the elders of Israel together and told them to pick out a lamb or young goat for each of their families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin, then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and sides of the door frames of your houses, and no one is to leave out until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on top and sides of your door frames, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Remember these instructions are a permanent law to you and your descendants must observe them forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, continue to observe this ceremony. Your children will ask, "Why does this? what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he has passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. Although he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. When Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshipped. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons in the land of Egypt from the Pharaoh to the prisoner in the dungeon. Pharaoh and all his officials woke up during the night and a loud wailing was heard throughout the land. There was not a single house where someone had not died, including the livestock. Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night and said, get out and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Leave my people and go worship the Lord your God as you requested. Take your flocks and your herds and be gone. But bless me as you leave. As a matter of fact, all the Egyptians were telling the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible because they thought they would all die. The Israelites packed up their useless bread, the kneading boards, and did as Moses had instructed and asked the Egyptian neighbors for clothing and articles of silver and gold. And the Egyptians gave them whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. 
That night, the people left Ramesses and started for Succoth. There were about 600,000 men, plus all the women and children, a gang of non-Israelite men with them too, along with great flocks and herds of livestock. For bread, they baked, they baked flat cakes from dough without yeast, because the people were driven out of Egypt so fast that they didn't have time to prepare the bread or other food. The people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. On this night, the Lord kept his promise to bring the people out of the land of Egypt. So this night belongs to him and must be commemorated every year by all the Israelites from generation to generation. Then the Lord gave Moses and Aaron instructions for the festival of Passover. No outsiders are allowed to eat the Passover meal, but any slave who has been purchased may eat of it. Excuse me, if he has been circumcised. Temporary residents and hired servants may not. Each Passover lamb must be eaten in one house. Don't curry in any of it outside and don't break any of its bones. If there are foreigners living among you who would like to participate in the Lord's Passover, let their meals be circumcised first. Only then may they celebrate with you like any native-born Israelite. But no uncircumcised meal may ever eat the Passover meal. This applies to everyone, whether native-born or foreigner. So all the people follow all the Lord's commands to Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of Egypt like an army. Then the Lord told Moses to dedicate every firstborn, both human and animal, among the Israelites to him. For the offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. So Moses said to the people, remember this day forever, the day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. Today, by the power of his mighty hand, the Lord has brought you out. The Lord has brought you out and you have been set free. You must celebrate this event in this month each year after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites and Jebusites. For seven days, the bread you eat must contain no yeast. In fact, there must be no yeast found within the borders of your land during this time. Then on the seventh day, celebrate a feast to the Lord and explain to your children why you are celebrating. This annual festival will be a visual sign to you like a mark on your forehead to remind you always to recite this teaching of the Lord. With a strong hand, the Lord rescued you from Egypt. So observe and decree the decree of this festival at the appointed time each year. This is what you are to do when the Lord fulfills his promise he swore to you and your ancestors. When you get to Canaan, you must present all your firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. A firstborn male donkey may be brought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. But if you don't buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. 
And in the future, when your children ask, what does this mean? You tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go. So the Lord killed all the firstborn males throughout the land of Egypt, both people and animals. That is why I now sacrifice all the firstborn males to the Lord, except that the firstborn sons are always brought back. This ceremony, too, will mark your forehead. It is a reminder that the power of the Lord's mighty hand brought us out of Egypt. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God didn't lead them along the main road, even though it was the shortest route to the promised land. Because God said that if the people were faced with a battle, they might change their minds and go back to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because he made the sons of Israel promise to do so. The Israelites left Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went ahead of them, guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and by night a pillar of fire providing light. This allowed them to travel day or night. Then the Lord gave Moses these instructions. Tell the people of Israel to go back and camp, uh, camp by Pahahirith between Migdal and the sea. Then Pharaoh would think that the Israelites are confused and trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. I planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. When the Pharaoh heard the Israelites had really left, he and his officials changed their minds and was like, what was we thinking letting all those Israelites get away? So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took 600 chariots of Egypt's best men, each with his commander, and he chased after the people of Israel. The Egyptians caught up with them right where God had told them to camp. As Pharaoh was approaching, the people looked up and panicked. They cried out to the Lord and said to Moses, why did you bring us here to die? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt for us? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this was going to happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians, for it's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you, so just stay calm. But the Lord said to Moses, why is you crying out to me? Tell the people, get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after you. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, chariots and charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. 
Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The clouds settled between the Egyptians and Israelite camps. As darkness filled, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other, did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up the path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and charioteers chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire in the cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, The Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the waters rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all their chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. All of the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not one single person had survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground, and the water stood up like a wall on both sides. This is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Now, chapter 15 is a song of deliverance that Moses wrote. And it's basically just a summary of like, you know, what they had been through or whatever. So, yeah, you're going to have to read that one on your own. If you want to know everything that was said, because it's basically just a summary of everything I just said. Mm -hmm. So, um, then Moses led the people into the desert of Shur. Um, They traveled for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Merah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called it Merah, which means bitter. The people complained and turned on Moses, saying, What are we going to drink? And Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and it made the water good to drink. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out. Wait, I just said that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, 
Uh, okay. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Merah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. After leaving Merah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. Exactly one month after leaving Egypt, the whole community of Israel arrived at the wilderness of Sin, where they too complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt where we sat around pots full of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now y'all brought us out into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need that day. I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron told the people, By evening, you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not us. For what have we done? that you should complain about us. Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning. For he has heard your complaints against him. Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. What have we done? Then Moses said to Aaron, announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness where they saw the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it and asked, would and asked what it was to each other because they had no idea. And Moses told them, it's the food the Lord is giving you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Two quarts for each person. So the people of Israel did as they were told. And when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot, had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had just enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses told them not to keep any of it until morning, but some of them did, and they didn't. But some of them didn't listen, and by morning it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. 
So Moses got angry. And uh, after this, the people gathered the food morning by morning. Each family according to his need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes that was on the ground, they melted and disappeared if they didn't pick it up. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual, and all the leaders of the community had came to Moses and asked for explanation. Moses had told them that the Lord commanded them that tomorrow going to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want to today and set it aside for tomorrow. What's left over for tomorrow? So they put some aside until uh, the morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots and without an odor. Moses had told them uh, they may gather food for six days, but on the seventh day that they couldn't, that there would be no food found on the ground. Some people went out looking for food on the seventh day anyways, but they didn't find anything. The Lord asked Moses, how long are these people going to refuse to obey my commands and instructions? They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That's why I give you a two-day supply on the sixth day. On the seventh day, you are to stay in your place and not pick up any food. So the people didn't gather any food on the Sabbath. Then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Fill a two-core container with manna, which is what the Israelites called the food because manna means what is it to preserve it for your descendants. Then later generations will be able to see the food I gave you in the wilderness when I set you free in Egypt from Egypt. So he told Aaron to get a jar, fill it with manna and put it in a sacred place before the Lord to preserve it for all for all future generations. Aaron did as the Lord commanded Moses, and he eventually placed a jar in the Ark of the Covenant. So the people of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they arrived at the land where they would settle. At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of Sinai and moved from place to place, eventually camping at Rephidim. But there was no water there for the people to drink, so the people complained yet again against Moses demanding, give us water to drink. But Moses was like, be quiet. Why y'all complaining against me and testing the Lord? But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us and our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord. What should I do about these people? They are ready to stone me. And the Lord said, Walk out in front of the people and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. Take your staff. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will have water to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and water came gushing out as the elders looked on. Moses named the place Massa, which means test, and Mirabah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord here with us or not? While in Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. 
Moses commanded Joshua to choose some men to go out and fight for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses said and they fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron and Hur climbed to the top of the nearby mountain of the nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. Whenever he dropped his hand, the, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms eventually became too tired and he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on and they stood on each side of Moses and they held his hands up until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses to write this down on the scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. And said, they have raised their fists against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had heard about everything God had done for Moses and his people. He especially heard about how God had rescued them from Egypt. Earlier, Moses had sent his wife and sons back to Jethro. So now Jethro went to visit Moses and brought support. Gershom and his second son, Elijah, which means God is my helper with him. And they arrived while Moses and the people were camped near Mount Sinai. Jethro had sent Moses a message saying he was coming to see him with Moses' wife and sons. So Moses went out to meet him. He bowed low and kissed him and they went into Moses' tent and caught up on each other's welfare. Moses told Jethro everything and Jethro was delighted when he heard about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel. He said, praise the Lord for he has rescued you from the powerful hand of Egypt. I know now that the Lord is greater than all other gods because he has rescued his people from oppression. Then Jethro brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron and all the elders came out and joined him in a sacrificial meal in God's presence. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Jethro saw this, he asked Moses, what is you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone? Why are everybody just staying around you all day and night? Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. I'm the one who settled the disputes between the two calling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. That's not good, Jethro explained. You're going to wear yourself out and the people too trying to do this very heavy burden job all by yourself. Let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. Continue doing what you're doing, being the people's representative before God and showing them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people, capable, honest, God-fearing men who hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of a thousand, 
150 and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow my advice and God allows you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to Jethro's advice and appointed capable men from all over Israel as leaders over the people. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes, but they brought the major cases to Moses. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law who returned to his own land. That's the end of chapter 18 in Exodus. So we're going to end off here today. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the takeaways. All right. I'm back from our break with the takeaways. And my first takeaway was the importance of holidays. God literally instituted the Passover festival and the festival of unleavened bread. So that the people would annually be reminded for generations what the Lord had done for them. And the takeaway is whenever trials and struggles come, remember how God remembered and delivered you from those things. And, you know, focus on that. And his promise of, you know, his new life with him. The Lord's Supper is, of course, our Passover, so... Basically, you just got to start creating your own holidays in your families and stuff. You get what I'm saying? Like, you remember when you got out? That's why your holiday you supposed to be celebrating every year. I'm thinking because, again, each anything that's written about... Oh, so, let me start. If it's two Passovers, because if this is supposed to be the first Passover, the real one that we're supposed to go by, but you only have the... Passover, which is the resurrection in April, put together with an Easter bunny. I don't, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. instead of celebrating that one, which I, you know, people. Well, that is the Passover, but, but I don't know about the Easter bunnies, but. I'm just, that's what I'm saying. Like how, what I'm trying to say is the, basically. society. It's man written. Like commercial, you know, commercial add all that stuff in. Yeah, so yeah, it's man written. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that, so that instead yeah. of instituting that part, because it's a lot of speculation with Jesus Christ. That's the same thing with man. Christmas though. Again, how you exactly. Christmas trees and all that. Exactly. Again, that don't got no importance. It's commercialized exactly. because man wrote it. But what I'm saying is, it's like. No, they com- it's been written by God. By these people who were instructed by God and people commercialized it. Exactly. And wrote it in what they want to put in. Added and took away what they wanted to. Because in actuality, if you think about it, we're supposed to be worshiping and doing things by this way. When we only, we don't, some people don't do this Passover. Some religious do, which is my sister. But when when this Passover resurrection come, um, uh, during that time, then everybody observes they eat fish on Friday and Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. When it should be okay, so whenever the time that you know, Ramadan, they this is the, the Ramadan is kind of like their Passover too, but 
My sister does this. She does it. Mm -hmm. She take all the flour out the house when it's that time to mm -hmm. uh, for their Passover. So we have no nothing Yeast. in the house. She mm -hmm. she takes everything out the house, which so she recognized that. So this is what she does. You know what I'm saying? So, but a lot of religions, religions or religious people, they don't. You know, they're not doing it the way we commercialize the whole thing and just. Uh, oh, we're going to wait to April or March and do the Passover and wait for Palm Sunday. And A lot of people do do that. And I was used to partaking through that myself. But again, as I read this and have gotten better, that my kids, know, you don't expect nothing for Christmas. I've been getting you stuff all year long. So there ain't no list. Don't come at me with no list because Christmas ain't about you. Right. And then, you know, it's again, it's still speculation of, Jesus being the son of man, but that's a whole nother conversation. So I'm just saying this is what Well, to that the crossovers for to what you were just saying, the Israelites had to sacrifice a lamb with no defects and smear the blood on the door frame because they had to substitute their life for an innocent life who would have died in that death plague. Yeah. And from this point on, the Hebrews would understand that from them, you know, from them being spared from death, an innocent life had to be sacrificed in that place. And I thought of this because I asked myself, why the lamb again? Why the lamb? Why the goat? And then again, I remember that's what Jesus is called. Again, mm -hmm. the lamb of God. Uh -huh. Exactly. The lamb of God. That's why I had to be a lamb. And that's why he chose. And that's why I had to have no defects and none of that. Because Jesus don't have no defects. God, he don't have none of that. He's perfect. So you can't sacrifice an imperfect animal. Well, I mean. That was how I was. Yeah, he was foreshadowing. Sacred, sacred animal anyway. Exactly. But he was foreshadowing the death of Jesus. He was foreshadowing his sacrifice, his innocent life for all of us, for the blood of all of us, for our sins. So they had to kill a lamb to, you know, in order to get the blood, which is what saved them. Well. Again, well, different religions. I understand everybody think about that differently. Exactly. Everybody, but hurt, you know, that's always that was touching, my thought process subject. when different I was religions. thinking of that. Again, that yes, it was a it's a testament of, of showing what is to come. It's a representation of that innocent life who's going to be sacrificed for all of us. Again, you believe all I know is what I read. I read right. from what I read. This is what I know, and this is what I've gathered, and this is my conclusions. Well, so, you know, I hear the other side because again, my sister believes in the Old right Testament. Here. Yeah, the Old Testament, and there's no Son of God. Okay, I understand that. So I mean, I'm not conflicted. I'm just saying that I've I've heard different sides. Does of she she sacrifice animals? She don't do none of that stuff, though. I mean, what you mean? Like, who who the who Old Testament does? Who you know today's world is doing exactly what the Old Testament is doing? I was just asking. I'm mm -hmm. making sure she don't. Yeah, she ain't sacrificing no animals, is she? Mm. No, I mean, what they, whatever they call, I can't, sorry, I can't remember their names, but it's like <laughs> some dead business or whatever. So. They don't believe in JC. 
I I get it. That's why I said everybody got their thing. Right. Everybody got their thing. Okay, the dough had to have no yeast again because they had no time for the yeast to rise. They ain't had no time for none of that. And the greens had to be bitter to significant, you know, to signify the bitterness of slavery. So I was like, okay, I understood that part. And when the Lord had told them to be fully dressed while eating the Passover meal, while still in Egypt, he was giving them, you know, a sign of faith by telling them to get ready that y'all about to be free. Be Get ready. Put your sandals on. Put Get your walking sticks. Y'all got to be ready while y'all eating this meal. Because as soon as y'all finish, y'all going to be free. So my takeaway from that was, again, being prepared for whatever future the Lord has for you. Demonstrates our faith in God. That's my takeaway from that. <laughs> okay, the fact that not one single household was fed in Egypt, yet the Israelites was fed, showed the central theme of the Bible, which is redemption. Redemption means buying back or saving from captivity by paying a ransom. One way to buy back a slave was to offer an equivalent or superior slave in exchange. That's why God, that's what God did to buy us back. He offered his son in exchange for us. So basically before Jesus, the Old Testament, it was okay to sacrifice animals in the place of a sinner. And now that, yes, we are in the New Testament, well now that some of us are in the New Testament, we don't have to offer sacrifices anymore. So the takeaway for me is to be free from the, our deadly sins. It's going to cost us a pretty penny. And that pretty penny was Jesus. He already paid it. So you got to trust and accept this gift of eternal life. He already paid the price. You've been redeemed. Um... The people that went with them. That was another thing that I took away. It was a couple of people that was like, yeah, okay. We Egyptian and all, but we ain't crazy now. We going with y'all. Yeah, if you showed me that you, you know. People was drawn to God. They, yeah, water, like some. And that made me think of uh, DMX wife. When she was talking about. How when her and DMX had first got together and she was just like how this 18 year old boy just loved the Lord. And she, I grew up Muslim. She was like, but because he loved it, I had to know who this God was. I had to see for myself. And to this day, she, I'm a Christian. The festivals was to mark the Hebrews foreheads. So, yes, there's supposed to be a unique mark. So, uh, basically, like, what mark do you leave, essentially? That's what I took away from that. Like, when you go to places and when you at work or, you know, wherever it is, do you leave that mark? Do people know that you believe in the Lord? What impression are you leaving? Um, 
my next takeaway that they had to buy back their sons because one it was a reminder to the people how God spared their sons and freed them from slavery two it showed God's high respect for human life as oppressed to other as opposed I said as oppressed as opposed to other gods their worshipers you know believed anyways and um, demanding human sacrifices. They, yeah. They sacrificed their kids and whatnot. And it it looked forward to the day when Jesus Christ would buy back his pain. You buy pain the price for us. Yeah. That's I mean, what I got from that. Sacrificing your kids, man. That's a whole lot right there. Which is, again, which is my point. He didn't. He didn't, you know, approve of that. That's not mm-hmm. something that God was like, that's okay to sacrifice your kids. Like, that's not something I condone. That's what they did. The other, again, the other gods, that's what they worshipped and they believed that stuff but was okay. But none of the other gods were real. They was just worship, worshiping statues. I mean, that's the point. Like, I am God. Like... All I mean, that other the stuff that y'all call and... Well, the, the spirits of... I mean, of course, you know, you got... I guess what you call him, Satan or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. He did too, so he gonna exactly. get the people to do his duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, God didn't lead the Israelites the shortest route through the Philistine territory because he knew if the Hebrews was attacked, they was going to turn around and go back to Egypt. Because they weren't that far from it. It was the shortest route. So my takeaway from that is that God can see the end journey from the beginning. And he know the safest route and the best route. My takeaway is, is that he needed, to pro- he needed to show everybody who he was. So they could, so could stop playing with him. <laughs> they was playing with him. And he was like... Yeah, I could take y'all that way, but what would be the fun in it? What would be the struggle? What would be what would make everybody well, stand still and know who I um, am? This this say it again. If they was to be attacked right now, they just gonna turn around and go back and be like, nah, F this. We going back. But if we go the roundabout way where I know it's safe. I mean I mean, okay. Then we, they ain't get ready to go try to go if, back. But what is what if they took take the short way, did the short way had a real sea? Yeah, what was there, he moving the short way? The short way to get to exact to get to the sea. They wasn't at the sea. They were going to the sea. They right. were going to the mountain. But, but he again, a, he had a plan. As he stated, exactly. I need y'all to go back and to make it look like y'all confused and y'all don't know which way exactly. to go. And, God's plan. He had a plan. Yeah. They don't listen. You know what I'm saying? But Moses had to, was doing the same thing that the people of Israel was doing. Questioning God. Questioning his gangster. I mean, and he Moses just got, was and, just inquisitive. Uh, nah, people Moses, are fighting and you you Moses you just had to go over gangster, here and I'm see that they you. were fighting? Yeah, he could say that You too, had to break Moses up the fight? Like, you saw on, a burning bush and you just sat there and said you was getting the hell out of there. He saw the burning bush and he said, I got to go see what, what's going on. Moses is just, yes, he is inquisitive. He is investigative and he got to know what's going on. I got to understand why this bush ain't burning up. 
I wanted to see why the bird was sitting on the porch. And I asked him a couple of times, God, is this you? He ain't make no move. He ain't do nothing. So I went out. I told him, God, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to slide past you if this you. I'm going to go in the house because it's cold. It's two degrees outside. Mm-hmm. You I never know when you're in the presence of God. You never know what he said, what is what happened or what he sent you though. Mm-hmm. So... Why would I take the short way to the sea to prove my point? Why not? I'm, I've been taking y'all through this for 400 years. Y'all been through this 400 years and a couple more days until Pharaoh finally let y'all go. Why am I going to let you get away that easy? Why? I done put, I done put y'all through this just like with Job. He put Job through a lot of stuff. And Job still had... A, Faith. Mhm. Well, I never take away I got was was God being with them in a physical form, that pillar of cloud and the fire. He at was night, in the physical form when he showed them, up and so know, they was arguing. In the cloud both ways, like so. My takeaway from that was the Bible and the Holy Spirit are our daily guides and reassurance that God is with us. Both day and night, helping us on our journeys, lighting our paths, protecting us from our enemies, controlling our movements, and inspiring, burning zeal, you know, within us to want to go see why the bush ain't, yes, on fire and in the gulf right now. It's just, just in the flames. The bush just still sitting here. Or just know that you're in the presence of God and and bow, give him his respect as due. Yeah, you can't even be nosy, but you still got to give him his respect, though. Mm-hmm. After watching God's powerful hand deliver them from Egypt, the Hebrews' response when they saw the Egyptian army was fear, whining, and despair. So my takeaway here was by focusing on God's faithfulness in the past, we can face crises with confidence rather than fear and complaining. Like these people are coming and they like, oh my gosh. And he why is y'all crying to me? Get up. Move. Like why y'all are just so dumb right now? Like you if somebody was attacking you and coming at you, you was not getting ready staying here. You get ready to run, ain't you? Well, their expectations, since he was leading them that far, he thought they didn't use their common sense at that moment. That, oh, God, great, do it again. Well, so he let, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, get up and move, get up and go. They ain't had oh, no now, confidence in God. They ain't, they ain't they, had no faith in God. Well, they had faith, they still did. He brought us out here to die. That's what they was like. Y'all brought us out here to die. Which basically was like, yeah, they was asking if he had freed them to kill him. Like, y'all just freed, freed us so he could kill us out here? That don't make no sense. Complaining over minor inconveniences or discomforts, basically. They were about to learn the hard way that... And that's why he took them there. That they the had just way. trust. If they had just trusted God, if they had just trusted God, they wouldn't have been eating no manna for 40 years. They could have only basically had it for about five. You wouldn't have had to go through 40 years of this if you just trust me. And again, he weeding out who's sincere. 
and who's not. I'm who really paying attention things. and who's not. Just like those house maidens, wives, whoever they was in the beginning. They told them that they wasn't killing them people, kids. Off bucks, they had faith. They knew who they was. I ain't doing it. Mm-mm. You could kill me, but God's wrath is worse than anybody's wrath. And I'm not scared of you. Not the I am wives, scared no. of the Lord. The midwives. <laughs> but anyways, my takeaway from that, my takeaway from that was we make shit harder for ourselves sometimes by complaining about nothing. Somebody right now is complaining about Wendy's ain't got enough dipping sauce. They gave me one one dipping sauce and I ordered 10 nuggets. You get what I'm saying? Like somebody complaining that the remote is across the room and I'm too tired. Right? I don't really feel like getting up to get this damn remote, but I want to change the TV. Like That's the main thing that we complain about. We complain about a whole lot of nothing. Well, when I could say, why you going to pray, you could talk about it, not complain about it, but you could talk about it to God or you could talk about it, you know, pray on it. Like, look, God, I, this is, I'm coming to you like, man, I don't know, but I thank you. Well, you know what I'm saying? Or if this, whatever's, if this is meant so, you know, you just, sometimes you just got to let it go. Let go and let God, like you well, said. Yeah, you know I mean, saying? yeah, Moses. I mean, he wasn't wrong in what he said. Standing still and watch the Lord work. Like you get what I'm saying. He had the positive attitude. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't see this moment. He didn't take this moment to complain and be negative. Like it was like I'm like stand still and watch the Lord. To, you know, do his job. Like he's gonna. Cause think of again. Like I said, you complaining about nothing right now. Y'all complaining about nothing when somebody child is at St. Jude's right now. You get what I'm saying? Oh, like, somebody child ain't waking up in the morning. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's so many. Are, it's a lot going on. But again, we are selfish people. And we only care about what we want to care about. Or, uh, we don't bring God into the equation until we scared or so we get in some trouble. Or, and I'm myself included. Yes. What? Yes, I need you to talk to the microphone is what I'm saying. Yes, talking to the microphone, Caroline. <laughs> Myself included. Well, Until you start thinking about the the things he brought you out of, the goodness, you know what I'm saying? And with somebody going through this in a worse situation and trying to be different today than you were yesterday. Mm. Well, that reminded me of, again, what I said last season. Of that faith without works is dead. Cause yes, yes, he said the same still. Like I said, that wasn't the wrong thing. But the Lord Terrence again, why is you calling for me right now? Get up, get going. That's when they, Turn, they, what they are y'all doing? That's when they took their common sense off and just was like, okay, let God show me what he about to do. He in turn he showed them at the end what he was gonna do, but they didn't use they. Uh, slave sense like run, right? You know, because most slaves use run right now and then ask God what's the next move later when y'all come against something else. But you you've been a slave and you would run from them any other time. You know what I'm saying? To get, right. See if you get away. But that was again like my takeaway because my takeaway basically is that 
sometimes we know exactly what to do, but we stand around praying for the Lord to send us a sign, making excuses and postponing what it is he didn't told us to do. He already told us what to do. So if you know, stop praying and start moving. You know what to do. Absolutely. You procrastinate right now because you acting like, oh my gosh, okay, well, Lord, if this is really what you want me to do, like for real, for real, I've already told you that. I don't got to show you nothing. I've already told you. Stop making excuses. Stop being scared. Stop coming up with reasons as to why, like Moses, you can't deliver and do what I told you to do. I told you what I want you to do. Get in a get moving. Stop standing around praying. Stop standing around complaining. Complaining, praying. Stop doing both of them. When again, when you know what to do. Yeah, get a foot. Get moving. Get going. Do that job. Do that house. Do that whatever it is that he told you to do. Go have that hard conversation that you act like it's just so hard and you just can't. Go have that conversation. Go do what he told you to do. Uh, another takeaway I got from them crossing the Red Sea was the Israelites must have felt trapped because, I mean, there must have been no apparent way out. Because if the sea had to open for them to, to get going, I guess they felt like they didn't have a choice but to cry out. But at the same time, they, they knew they had to get going. You could run. You could run somewhere. But I'm going to help y'all. I'm going to open up the sea. So when feeling trapped according to problem and you don't see no apparent way out, don't panic because God, basically, he going to open up a way. He already had a plan. He knew exactly the right time to demonstrate his power. And he needed to demonstrate it to everyone. Exactly. Not just Pharaoh. Yeah. Not to everyone that was involved Mm -hmm. and nations to follow. He needed everybody to know that he is who he is. Alright, my next takeaway is... uh, Well, it's not a takeaway, but a note from the study notes, which is don't nobody know exactly when the exodus happened for two reasons. One, the Egyptians didn't keep a record of stuff that basically meant that showed they was defeated. Anything that showed that they lost, they ain't keep a record of none of that. And uh if they did keep it, ain't nobody found it yet. So that was what I be thinking of. Where all this stuff at? Like, do you think this stuff's still around somewhere in Egypt? Listen, everything is Everything is still around. Other people have it. This, these artifacts are worth millions. The people have robbed every tomb. <laughs> Listen, it's so many books of the Bible that we don't know, that we don't, we don't know about, that we don't have an account of, and there's a lot of history in Egypt, mm-hmm. good and bad. It also noted that that song that. I wasn't about to read chapter 15 that mm-hmm. I told everybody to read. Yeah, right. so that that was the oldest recorded song in the world. That might wow. be true. That's what I said. I wonder if that's true. Wow. I mean, you know, you see a lot of different things on uh, Discovery Channel where they found the cloth of Jesus. Um, they found pieces of art. They found 
they robbed the people's tomb. They, yeah, I mean, I guess for people to find out history, or they just have to do a lot of different things. Well, after so I read, we that, don't know. I was just like music. Music been important. Like yeah, music, music been around for a long yes, time. The angels, the, everybody sing to God. God loves music. That's why David has psalms that all his mm-hmm. songs. Songs of David, the Psalms of David, and one of them, would you know what I'm talking about? He loves for you to sing. He wants but, you to sing his praises. Yes, because music and prophecy is often closely related in the Bible. Right. But music, Miriam, she was singing songs. She was a prophet too, but yeah, she was a songstress. She was right. writing songs. Songs, he said, they said that the songs, God loves to hear songs of praise. So they have a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, singing is a release. And what better ways to sing to God for yeah. his for his enjoyment, for his pleasure? Yeah, you hear all to say that all the time. Music is therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, my next one, the Oasis, when they was complaining and about not having the water, and then they went a little further and found them twelve springs and. 70 palms, so... I'm sick of them people. They complained <laughs> about every damn thing. And I would if I was God, I would have just cut them off. Yeah, keep coming. I'm not about to keep showing you who I am. You're not going to keep whining. That's just like your kid. You keep... What? Yeah, I'm about to show you better than I can tell you. That's what I... I mean, you know, God is merciful. God is merciful. He is... I wrote it down, and I said it all. Well, my takeaway from that was he has patience. And that's my takeaway. You won't be embarrassed by God when you remain patient while waiting for his help instead of complaining. Well, he has patience. He has a lot of, me personally, I know he got patience with me. But the fact that he has forgiveness, he doesn't forget. These people are great. Waterfall. They just, every day, they had a problem. Every day, and he kept showing them, forgiving them, showing them, forgiving. He has tolerance. Let's put that down. It's tolerance. Well, he was doing me well. Again, he just said a number of times, "I'm getting ready to destroy these people." Right. And Moses, I'm just gonna right. make you the great nation. Right. I, I wouldn't have blamed him. He should have. If it was me, I would have been. Uh. Uh-uh. I. I can't. Well, yeah. Let's just smite. Let's just smite them all. Well. And start yeah. all over like he did. First two times. Well, that was they trust. They ain't really trusting God. And that was yeah, the thing. They let their negative up. attitude destroy their trust right. in God. And again, like I said, God has patience. God is forgetful. For He has forgiveness. And he has tolerance for the fools. Like me. He has patience for me. He is forgiving of me. Uh-huh. What a God we serve. My next one was the plague when he told them that he wasn't going to give them, you know, plague them with the same diseases that he plagued the Egyptians mm-hmm. with. But how he did that later on was those laws he gave, the more laws. They was designed to keep them from catching those diseases. Mm-hmm. Example would be the the laws against prostitution. If exactly if you follow these laws, you ain't gonna get VD. Basically, you're not gonna get none of them diseases if you follow <laughs> if you follow the laws. That's how I'm gonna keep you 
from getting the diseases. Like, if you do what I say, basically, that's about how he said it. If you do what I say, I'll keep you from catching, you know, getting the diseases that the Egyptians right. had. And again, right. that would be one of the things. You can't be a prostitute. <laughs> Prostitution is wrong. So, yeah, that'll keep you from, again, catching them diseases. Absolutely. It was a whole lot of laws he had and prostitution problem. I'm sure it wasn't the number one. I mean, but, yeah, we ain't got there yet. We gonna get there. Right. So, I'm yeah. sure. I mean, just like now, I mean, even with the COVID to, for now, like some people got it, some people didn't. Some At first you didn't know nobody who had it. And I'm like, oh, that ain't nobody get it. Mm-hmm. Now you got close friends, relatives, people you know, work with. Like, God almighty. But he kept you. He kept. I don't got my vaccination. He didn't kept us. Well, again, you know that's, what I'm saying. Exactly. That and was, I can't even say. I I I know I ain't keeping the law. Well, that was my takeaway. Again, that that's what God's laws is often designed for to keep us from harm. They not meant to keep us. You get what I'm saying? Just not to have fun. He trying to keep you from the stuff that these evil people possess. If you, yeah, if you remain pure and... History just repeat itself in different times. That's all that is. History well, has gone evolve, and the same thing that's happened then is happening now. Pestilence, disease, he's saying this, the locusts, you got the locusts sound like, uh, they sound, they sound like ambulams and spaceships that you see on sci-fi. Mm-hmm. You think people, like, they coming. You just hear them, they look like they're close. They sound like they're close, like they about to engulf you in any minute. And they fly, and then they lay, and then they die. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole. You see a whole heap of them. Well, well, my next takeaway was uh, when the Israelites complained for the second time. But as always, he God provided for their needs, which let me know that complaining is natural. It's a natural response when you face it. You know, with a stressful situation, cause these people really didn't want to go back to Egypt to be no slaves. Like they, it was just the easier choice. Like they was just focusing on their problems, basically. Which showed again their lack of faith, and they looked to the quickest way out. That escape and their quickest way was let's just go back to Egypt. Let's just go back to doing what we know. I just rather be a slave, even though I don't want to do that either. So, my takeaway is resist looking for the quickest way out when you know under pressure or you suffering. Instead, you gotta focus on God's power and wisdom to help you deal with it. You know, what was causing you to be so stressful and hurt and offensive and rude and all that other stuff. My next takeaway was uh, God testing them with something small first, the food. Basically just telling them again, don't go out on that seventh day. And with that small test, they failed. They went out looking for their food anyway. So, takeaway was small steps can, you know, small steps basically teach you obedience. If you could just do this little one thing, 
I know it ain't going to be hard for you to do the next. But again, obviously the next one hard for them because they couldn't do that. They still went out looking for food. And he still blessed them. Uh... The bread, basically, that was my next takeaway. Why he gave them bread as part of the, I mean, it was part, I guess, they daily diet. Because, again, that's what Jesus called himself. He compared himself to manna, so. I think that's why he gave them bread as food when they was basically complaining about what they wanted to eat. Well, bread is, is you can stop bread and water to fill your stomach up. If you don't have anything else, you can get bread and water. And that's what they mostly lived off of. They actually ate the right way. They had bread, water, dates, nuts, and all the lamb. And they ain't have all the toxic toxic stuff that we eat. I mean, so well, bread yeah, was, they was right out there with the animals. But what I'm saying is they bread was the number one from, thing. They ate bread with everything, even unleavened yeah, bread, meaning the bread without the yeast. Which is basically a cracker. So, you know, flat bread, but they, you know, that was their daily course. They carry bread in a, a handkerchief in a sack. Bread was everything. I mean, and if you, I mean, again, how he gave it to him, you can make a bunch of stuff, a bunch of different stuff with it. Like, again, they grounded it up, made, what did it say, baked flat cake. That's what it it is when you don't have any yeast. It's going to be a flatbread cake, whatever it is. I mean, well, they only got a night for the yeast for that, you know, that one or two week during them festivals and stuff. So it's just during that time. Outside of that time. Yeah, they was making anything they wanted. That's why I say, yeah, you can turn bread into all kind of different things. But... And 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 Jesus our daily bread. That's why you need to read your Bible. Uh, he told him not to work on the Sabbath though, because basically you're not supposed to do your daily routine. Your daily routine distracts you from wholehearted worship, heart, you know, true heartfelt worship, like. When you're doing all the stuff that you do on a normal basis, you ain't really thinking about God. And I mean, you might pray, but you ain't praying like you should <clears throat> because you're distracted. You know, with your friends, kids, work, all that stuff that's going on around you. That's why I want to say if you're not supposed to be doing any of that stuff. You're not supposed to do none of that stuff you normal, normally do. Supposed to sit down and have a true conversation, true worship with the one who created you. So my takeaway, you got to carefully guard your time. Uh, They had to keep that manna in a special jaw. Again, that's another thing I was thinking. Where that manna at? Where that jaw? Supposed to keep that kind of stuff. I guess that's my takeaway. Keeping meaningful objects as symbols to remind you of God's work. Because I can only imagine if that man that is still here, what it look like. Hmm. That man is still here from them long way back in the day. 
You better get you some, because that's the best thing that you're going to ever eat. And it's probably going to bless you. Because they put it in the... They put it in the up uh, with the covenant, right? Mm -hmm. So that that's just like finding the holy grail. That's just like you couldn't even touch the ark of the covenant. You would die if you touched the ark of the covenant. Mm -hmm. So if you could get some manna off the ark of the covenant, you yeah, you like that. This fifty, four hundred, eight hundred. We working on what a thousand years now, something like that. I who I that's I say that all the time. Who knows how long this earth has been here? Who knows? Don't nobody know that. Yeah, well, the book say. What book? <laughs> that book. <laughs> <laughs> what that book? book said that they gave you they giving you numbers in that book, so just add them up. This Put book just told you don't nobody know when the exodus occurred. Five hundred, four hundred years. They were slaves for four hundred years. No, that was written by Moses. Exactly, but they still gave you a number. They were slaves for four. So count four on that. That's eight. Another four. Yeah, Moses. That's twelve. Because that Moses was being told this. Yeah, he could write this. He knew this information. Exactly. So it's so that's what I'm saying. Moses ain't here to tell us. Well, again. I don't know how you need to count. I, ain't no counting. I don't give a damn. If I'm being cut, I don't know. I'm here today. I don't know. My next takeaway, the people complaining for the third time instead of praying. But this time it was different because apparently there was no water around to turn good or drink at all. So Moses had to hit the rock with the staff for God. So from that I took away. Some problems can be solved by careful thought and or good counsel, but some problems can only be solved by prayer. And we got to basically be determined to make that effort to pray instead of complaining. Complaining only adds more stress. And prayer quiets your thoughts. And it prepares you to listen to God. He's going to tell you what you're so stressed. He's going to give you the answer. So you ain't got to be so stressed. Stop listening to your damn self. And listen to him for once. Basically. That's what the Sabbath is for again. Quiet your thoughts. Uh, the Amalekites. They was descendants of Amalek. A grandson of Esau, whose tribe was known for conducting raids and running off of people's goods. So, for some Israelite slaves to defeat a warlike nation was more proof that the Lord was with them as he had promised. Uh, Aaron and her holding up Moses' arms showed that it's important to help our leaders and not just put the responsibility on them because that's their position. Sometimes you gotta encourage your damn self and pray for yourself and your neighbor too. So the takeaway was you gotta lift up our spiritual leaders as well. You can't just take from the pastors, you gotta give to them too. Moses spending all day and night listening to the Hebrews' problems made Jephro suggest he delegate some of his work to other people and focus on the jobs only he could do. 
Some might take away from there. People in positions of responsibility sometimes feel they're the only ones who can do the necessary tasks. But in actuality, other people are capable of handling part of the work too. So proper delegation can multiply your effectiveness while giving others the chance to grow. It relieved Moses' stress and it improved his level of management. And my last takeaway from this part of the story anyway, you know, was that basically Moses was the first judge. Moses was the judge. But you again, not only was he a judge, he was a teacher too. Because when he was settling the, you know, the disputes, he was also teaching God's laws. So the takeaway from there I got was when you help resolve people's problems, you also got to look for ways to teach, teach them about God. You got to talk to them about God while you're helping them too. So what you got in your paper? You hit all your notes? Yeah. I'm just listening to yours. I already have, you know, they were good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they sound um, <laughs> based off of that yeah. response. Well, I guess that was my next thing. I was like, again, like I said, my fish questions. Right now and then, I feel like I have those. And I was just like, how you feel like they felt? Or what, how, like, you know, what they looked like once they came up on them trees and them 12 uh, springs after doing all that complaining that they ain't had no water, that we ain't got nothing to drink. You done brought us out here to die. And then, boom, here go these 12 springs and these 70 palm trees. Well, my fish ass is going to be, you should have killed them. <laughs> He just raised the water. The wa <laughs> he just raised the water and we ran through it. We ran through the ocean, through the sea. And you still got doubt. That's why he brought everybody to this point. He did. And y'all still questioning him. You still he should have smite them. Smite them. Well, I yes. asked how you think the people felt. They should have felt they he, th that's what I wanted them to do. The ones that knew better. <laughs> Save them. The ones that didn't and kept asking, kill them. Kill them. I ain't got time to keep showing y'all who I am. Y'all keep playing with me. Okay. So now I got to go bust these, bust the, bust the rocks open and get you some water. And I threw some manna on the ground and get y'all some. You keep playing. Y'all playing with me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to weed up. I'm going to weed up the ones that keep playing with me. I'm going to kill y'all because I don't got time. I'm God. I am who I say I am in the beginning. I took y'all from the the sea, the woods, the river. I done gave you water, done found you 25 wells, <laughs> then put you some glue on the ground so you can make you some bread. And you still questioning my gangster? Glue on the ground? You know you know what I'm saying. The man on the ground. And you still questioning my gangster. What you think that man looked like? It was white and gooey. What? Yes, it probably was white and manna. It's like dew. Morning dew is like 
But when it dried up, it looked like little flakes of what? It white flakes. Why you? You said gooey. That's yeah. It's probably like little goo. If you gonna make some damn bread, you gotta put it all together. Whether it's flat or not. <laughs> no, no, I think they had water around. The put what inside I'm saying is, they gonna, if they flake and it's going to dry out, then they're going to have to put it together anyway to make the bread or whatever they're going to They got to eat it. The only thing they can make out of is a bread or cracker. But they had mortars, though, and things like that. The, 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 what's them things called? Them hand mills. They had stuff like that to grind it up. That's work. not you can't goo no you can't they, grind up gooey. no gooey stuff. Man, it's all gooey. It's like goo. It's wet. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It, it came in just like with the, the dew. No, yes, oh just, no. Look at you. It's morning dew. It's wet. No, it came in with the morning dew. It wasn't dew. No, okay, well, okay, I think what you think is wrong. That's what I'm just going to say. You can't keep no gooey stuff in no jar yeah, for people to you? see. How no. You, you, you could keep, it's like, man, it's, you put it in a jar. Two quarts of some gooey yeah. stuff. No. You, how do you get two quarts of flakes? You pick them up off the ground. You no flakes, you ain't holding no weight. What you mean? A flake. Flake, they like leaves. Leaves hold weight. You ever no. hold a bag of leaves before? No. Well, I don't know. Let me think about that. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I don't think it was gooey. That's why I asked you what you well, thought it I looked like. I, I, I don't flake, think that's right. I know it's a snowflake. Well, that's what I was thinking. That that's probably so what it's like. So how heavy is a snowflake for you to have that? They put it in a hole in a jar. Enough that you, if wig blanketed the ground uh, like a yes, that's what it said. It covered the ground like yeah, a blanket. I know it, that's the do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. My last question of again, what? <laughs> oh yes, my Felicia questions is what you think Moses' tent looked like. What these tents held camels. These tents had held all day stuff. What you think these Which tents look like? I mean, like? they probably had multiple tents. But I mean, no, I'm thinking it was like a like a. No, I'm thinking they had multiple like tents. The like the tent, like like how the circus be having. Like that's what I'm thinking. Like it was like a tent yeah. like that, and it had like mad curtains you know, you in still there. Had to put multiple. You know what I'm saying? Like you can still have to like multiple together. Like you know what I'm saying? Because you got to time down. The animals ain't, yeah, like the circus, but those are still multiple tents, even at the circus. You got to put them all together to make them big. You know what I'm saying? You got to fix them and sh stuff. I guess. But that was my thought process. Like, this had to be a big-ass tent to hold camels and yeah, he going like in different rooms. And the same way how when they was describing the tabernacle, I don't know if I, I didn't. I don't think I really, I wouldn't go over the tabernacle because, yeah, the tabernacle was long. Yeah. That was a lot to go over. All yeah, the relations the, that uh, went in there. They had to put the ark. So yeah, that's why I was just like, I wonder what she think this tent looked like. I never even thought about it. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even. I didn't even have a thought about that. Because mm -hmm. I'm figuring the tent is a tent. They outside. This is just <laughs> no. You know, you make multiple tents. You know how you watch the old movies and this. He got a tent and she got a tent over there. What is the? What is? Why you? Why you keep she, doing that? Whatever his what name does that is. Mean? She, mm -hmm. 
You know them people got them names. His tent probably over there. You know what I'm saying? They got different tents for everything. The wives needed their tents. The yeah, that's why they had to have so many animals and stuff. They had to carry all that stuff. Okay, well, that's pretty much all I got. They was made of animal skin rugs. I know that much. So that's why I'm saying. I wonder. Yeah. This it was, was kind of like the thick. Indians, probably. You know, the thick. Indians had a, they made their tents out of buffalo skin. They made had coats, bed, whatever they kept caught. They made it. You know what I'm saying? They took their hides, did whatever. Okay. Well, stay tuned next week for the continuation of Exodus, because that's all I got. And yeah, I think that's all she got too. She ain't got no. nothing else but these. Brought to you by Aesthetically Meek. Oh. The call for every event. <laughs> she she did. And yes, <laughs> put her commercial voice on for that one. All right. I, I appreciate I appreciate that plug. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned next week. That concludes this episode of 2020 Bible Stories. Stay tuned next week for a new episode.